Danny kind of hands out where we're going to be going a couple months ahead of time. So since May, kind of been thinking through this. Um, there are two songs that keep coming to mind over and over again. So just indulge me for a second. Um, one uh, is, and I'll start singing. Michael, you didn't know that I've got skill like this, buddy. But I, I'm just saying, Christmas by Candlelight is going to be calling my name after this. Um, so just sing along if you feel like it. I'll be there for you when the rain starts to... Anybody? Um, so that's the theme, the theme song from Friends. If you're around in the late 80s, early 90s, um, we used to have that before there was this thing called a DVR. You know what I'm talking about? You had to watch it. Um, the other is, uh, and you guys are all going to be with me on this one. If you're around anything in church life in the late 80s, early 90s, um, uh, a friend's a friend forever. Come on. If the Lord's the Lord of them. They sound real good. Okay. Um, so the theme of Friends is something that that we think about, that we, um, that we watch shows about, that we um, listen to music about friendship. This idea of friendship is something that's just kind of all over. It's ingrained in us. And we'll, we'll talk about why that is in just a second. But I think that um, we have transitioned to a culture where the idea of friendship or having friends um, is something that has kind of been watered down, right? I think that all of the good that technology has proven for us in terms of connectivity and, and um, communication and those sorts of things, it also has made us shift the idea of what we consider a friend to be. Um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all of these sorts of things help us to stay connected, but from a distance and at a limitation to where we say we have friends and we know what's going on in people's lives, even though they don't necessarily know that we read that feed. And so we show up and we start talking to them like we had a conversation about what happened over the weekend, but we didn't because we saw a picture and it sounds real stalky and creeper, but we're, we're friends, Right? The idea of friendship has shifted, but friendship itself is something that is extremely close to the heart of God. This morning, as we uh, look at the book of Proverbs, as we have all summer, there is wisdom for life. Um, There is vertical wisdom for horizontal relationships. And this morning, um, we're going to focus in on the topic of friendship. But before we go down that road, I feel like we need to do a little foundational groundwork. And even uh, identifying and defining what being a friend or what friendship is actually is. If you looked up friendship in, or, or friend in Webster's dictionary, it says one attached to another by affection or esteem. So one attached to another by affection or esteem. I think this definition kind of falls short in a lot of ways. One is it's just one-sided. So I, I think if we looked up kind of like observation or um, uh, uh, being a fan of someone, we may find the exact same definition. It says one that is attached to another by affection or esteem. The definition that I want to work with this morning is this, that friendship is choosing to share life with someone. Friendship itself is choosing to share life with someone. Okay, so just to break this down a little bit. Friendship is a choice. It is a conscious decision. It's something that we go into with eyes wide open, completely mentally aware of. When we engage in friendship, it is something that we are fully intact with, that we fully interact with. It's a choice. So friendship is choosing to share, sharing. It's this idea of mutual investment. I think that's where Webster's definition falls just a little bit too short. It's reciprocal. It's me and you, you and me. It's not just me being a friend to you and you kind of like idly consuming what friendship is is being given by me, but it's reciprocal. It's involved by both parties, not just one-sided. So it's a choice 
choosing to share life with someone. So this requires mutual vulnerability. It requires um, knowing what's going on in one another's lives. It, 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 it requires sharing on both parties, from both sides. Now, friendship can start, and it can happen in lots of ways. It can start out of common interest. You um, like fantasy uh, basketball, and I like fantasy basketball, so we're going to be friends together. You like to hunt, I like to hunt, so we're going to be friends. We're going to share common interests, common things in common that we like to do or be a part of. It can be shared experience. Maybe um, you were in the same place at on the on the same plane at the same time when you were going skydiving, or maybe you were at the same PTO meeting in the same time, and so friendship is born out of shared experience or even potentially shared difficulty, serving together, walking alongside and working alongside one another. Friendship can be born out of that, or it can just be born out of consistent proximity. You're around each other a lot. You may start off as coworkers, but you may end up as friends because you're choosing to share life with someone. Now, this morning, we're going to talk distinctly about Christian friendship, Okay, so friendship can be had by anyone. Any person can choose to share their life with someone. But what is distinct about Christian friendship, friendship between two people that are choosing to follow Jesus, our root, what we are based in, what we treasure the most, the direction that we are heading is the same. We have the same father. We understand the same uh, forgiveness that we have received through Jesus. And so this commonality is at the base of who we are as functioning people. If we live life functioning from the good news of Jesus Christ, that he took our separation from God, our sin upon himself, that he died upon the cross for our sins, rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, that one day our king will return and that we will live with him forever in heaven. We have this common root identity that we're functioning from. So Christian friendship is different, right? It can start off based off of proximity or start off based off of common interest or start off based off of shared experience. But even in those things, in Christian friendship, our faith, our hope in Jesus is our foundation. Now I need to confess to you this morning that my closest friends in life, I have very, very, very little in common with. My closest friends, we, uh, the things that we would have in common is that we're guys, that we are husbands, that we are uh, fathers, that we, at our root, we love Jesus. My closest friends, they do love. They love fantasy sports and they, um, they love hunting. All the things that I just mentioned that I'm not, those are things that they actually do love. But at our root, following Jesus is our commonality. Our root, our desire, and even choosing to share life with one another is found in Jesus, that we have the same Father. So why do we need friendship is a question I think that we need to ask this morning. And why do we need to choose to share life with someone? And I want you to kind of like just focus on this phrase that's going to be on the screen for just a second. It's this idea that God has created us to live life with people. God has created us to share life with to share life with others. God's created us to intentionally live life together. And as we do this, we are both experiencing and extending his grace. So in the context of friendship, what God has created us for, we are actually, we're experiencing his grace in tangible ways. We're able to extend the grace of God to others in tangible, physical ways. God's created us for this. Even think from, um, from the way that we see friendship listed in scripture, just from a, um, a direct, explicit addressing of the issue or implicit ways that we see friendship addressed in here. We even think about the idea of creation itself. God creates all things, 
all things, heaven, earth, creatures, he creates man. And he, after he creates everything, every time he says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then he gets to man, he creates man, and he steps back and he sees that man is alone. And what does God say? It's not good that man should be alone. And so what does he do? He creates a companion, a helper. Ultimately, God created, uh, God created Adam's wife. He created man's wife. But companionship, sharing life with someone, was even at the heart of creation. Think about the way that we see God interacting with people, even in the Old Testament, early on in Scripture. We see God calling Abraham his friend. Abraham was a friend of God, is the way that he is addressed in Scripture. Moses, we see God speaking with Moses as God speaks to a friend. Friendship is is important. We see even characters in scripture. Think about Jonathan and David, which I think is interesting as we're looking at Proverbs specifically. Solomon, who wrote quite a bit of the Proverbs, that his father had a best friend that is known throughout the church, throughout history, potentially, as just a really uh, potent example of what true friendship can look like. Jonathan and David, think about Job. His friends are listed extensively in the New Testament. Think about Paul, Barnabas, even Timothy. Friendship is important It's in the scriptures. Think about Jesus. Jesus had friends. Jesus and his disciples, the men that traveled with him, that shared life with him, they shared life with one another. Even think about a further example of that. Jesus and his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We see in the scriptures that when Lazarus Lazarus dies, Jesus shows up and he sees his death and he sees his friends weeping and he, he begins to cry with them. He's sharing life with them. Friendship is important. And we see it all throughout the scriptures. But ultimately, we see friendship in its most extreme sense in the good news of Jesus Christ. In in, in John chapter 15 specifically, uh, John writes and he says that that Jesus, in being the ultimate friend, and what Jesus says is a true friend is known by laying himself down for his friends, by sacrificing himself. And then he goes on in this passage to call us his friends friends, that he laid down his life for us, that he counted us better than himself is the way that it's written in Philippians chapter two, that he would sacrifice himself on our behalf so that we could have a restored relationship with God the Father. The gospel is a clear, clear picture of what friendship looks like. Jesus loves us. He died for us. Jesus is our friend. God gives us friendship as a means of grace. He gives us friendship as a means of extending his grace to us and us extending grace to others. Even think about this. Think about whenever Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in in the Gospels. Think about the titles that that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, it's good for me that I would go because when I go, the helper is going to come. The comforter is going to come. The counselor is going to come. The titles that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit, the one who would come after Jesus' ascension into heaven, is the one that we would, all these titles that we would want to give to the ideal friend, a helper, a, com- a helper, a comforter, a counselor. And so by those of us who have placed our faith in the good news of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of us, he in turn is acting as a helper, a counselor, a comforter to us. But as we engage in friendship, he's extending those things to others as we walk in step with the Spirit of God, we're able to extend grace to others as we experience grace ourselves. 
Through friendship, we have the opportunity to live outside of ourselves, which is so counter to who we are as people. It's easy for me to think about myself first. It's easy for me to think about my needs first. It's easy for me to think about what I want first. But in the context of relationship, of me sharing my life with someone, I have the opportunity to think past myself, to think of others. Even think about it in these terms. In friendship, we have the opportunity for the fruit of the spirit of living life in relationship with Jesus. We have the opportunity to extend, to live out the fruit of the spirit, to exhibit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All these things that are markers of living life in intimate relationship with Christ, those are lived out in our lives and in friendship, they're lived out to the benefit of others, to the ones that we are sharing life with. We also see the lack of those things in our lives. We see the ability to be refined, to be sharpened, to look more like the person of Jesus because of true friendship, because of choosing to share life with someone. Because God's created us for it, to intentionally live life together in a way that we both experience and extend the grace of God. So this is what friendship is. This is why we need it. We were created for it. But how do I do it? What does friendship actually look like? And I think that it may sound silly to ask that question because I think um, we often assume that we know what it's like to be a good friend. We know what it's like definitely to have a bad friend, right? We know how to identify the opposite of a good friend. We see things and experience things that are hurtful, that are embarrassing, that are fill in the blank that we would identify as a bad friend. But true friendship... Being a good friend is something that we don't just accidentally fall into. And scripture gives us some wisdom for this. So we're going to be in, um, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 17 and Proverbs chapter 27. And we're going to look at four things specifically in Proverbs that we see um, is wisdom for friendship. Now, this is just four sections. These are just four things we're going to look at this morning. This is not an exhaustive uh, list of good friendship. Um, But it's helpful for us as we pursue the wisdom of God for all of our life. What does wisdom for friendship specifically, what does it look like? The first thing we're going to look at is Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse 17. So Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, The idea that we want to look at specifically in this verse is the idea of being intentional in friendship being intentional. Our family doesn't get to choose the the essence of this verse right here. Our family doesn't get to choose us. We don't get to choose to be related to someone. We just are. But in friendship, it's intentional. It's essential. We are choosing to take part, to share life with someone. Um, So the way that this verse reads out is a friend, a true friend, loves at all times, in all seasons, in all circumstances, but a brother doesn't have a choice for the difficulty in life that you'll process together. They were born into it. They They don't get a say in it. So this idea of weathering friendship through different seasons of life, it's intentionality that drives us through it. It's intentionality that says in the midst of the good and in the midst of the difficult, I'm going to choose to share life with you. And you see this in life's circumstances. I think about life for Holly and I, we've, um, we've been married uh, just a little over 12 years. And I think about the experiences that we have had over the course of our short, honestly, 12 years together compared to some of you in this room today. And I think about the times that we have seen our friends show up 
the people that we share life with. I think about the birth of our, of our four kids. And I think about the friends that, we, that, that would come into the, to the hospital room and would pray over us and would pray over our kids. There was intentionality. They were putting themselves out there. They were supporting us. I think about difficulty that has happened in our lives. I think about sitting in a hospital waiting room and having a friend come and sit with me through the whole thing. Because life is hard. But God gives us friendship in order to extend grace and it requires intentionality. That we love at all times. That we live for the good of others in the context of friendship. Um, there's a, a pastor and author in uh, Philadelphia that I respect quite a bit. And he says, true friends make the invisible grace of God visible in darkness. Makes the invisible grace of God visible in darkness. The way that we intentionally choose to live life with someone gives us the ability to extend the tangible grace of God to others. So what does intentionality look like? I mean, honestly, I think that it just takes looking up, being aware, and engaging in relationship with those who are around you. I think at times, especially um, when we grow into adulthood and understanding what friendship looks like in adulthood, we often have this maybe ideal or um, idealistic or naive uh, perspective on what friendship should look like. It should be perfect. We should get along about everything. We should have all the same common interests. We should like to do the same things. When in reality, God has provided people of faith around us, people that are following Jesus just like we are. And we may not have everything in common, but if we have Jesus as our root, then we can choose to share life with one another in order to experience and extend the grace of God. Honestly, sometimes you just pick, you intentionally pick. You're here, I'm here for right now in this season And I need to be challenged. I need to be encouraged. I need to encourage and I need to challenge. And so intentionality in friendship says me and you here now, we're gonna engage in sharing life with one another. Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 24, I'm just gonna read it for you. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another with love and good works. This is talking about inside the family of faith. It's part of following Jesus, intentionally living life together. The second verse I want to look at is Proverbs. Um, we're going to flip to 27 real quick. Sorry, I got you going back and forth. Proverbs 27, 17. Lots of 17s and 27s going on. Proverbs 27, 17. Um, this verse probably is not uncommon to you, especially in the context of, of talking about this topic. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So we want to be intentional in our friendships and we also want to be accountable. This is this idea of reciprocity going on here, of, of engaging one another, that I am, um, I'm working for your usefulness and your good and you're working for my usefulness and my good. You're sharpening me, you're pushing me. I'm sharpening you, I'm pushing you. We're fighting together. Um, I want to take just this quick second to kind of talk about what accountability looks like in general. There are lots of awesome places in our church family that this is happening, that accountability is nurtured. It's, it's a culture that's created. There are groups that are really living life, sharing life together, and they're holding one another accountable for good things, for following Jesus faithfully, and they're holding one another accountable to stay away from things that would get in the middle of that relationship that we have with Christ. So pushing us toward Jesus and pushing us away from sin. I think often what accountability looks like, what it can look like, 
is that we show up at somebody's house or show up at a restaurant in the morning or we show up in a, in a room, in a classroom here at the church and we sit down and we say, we say so this week, I, 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 I messed up. I engaged in, in this sin. And the person that we're confessing to, they say, oh man, you messed up. I messed up too. Let's not mess up next week. Week goes by, we show up again. Hey, I, I messed up this week. You messed up, I, I messed up too. Let's, let's not mess up again next week. Okay, let's not mess up. Week three comes by. And it's this process of just confession. And that's all that it is. Confession and accountability are not the same thing. Confession is just the act of telling. Accountability calls us from just telling, confessing shortcoming and sin in our lives. It calls us from that to Jesus. It's not just saying, this is what happened. You messed up, I messed up, we both messed up. Let's not mess up anymore. It's fighting with and for one another to follow Jesus. Fighting with, alongside of, and for one another and following Jesus. Before we moved to uh, Birmingham, there was a buddy of mine that he, um, he had an issue uh, with, with pornography and it was pretty significant. And, and he would come and we would have these conversations and he would tell me what was going on and how he had messed up and looked at whatever. And, and, um, and, and, and I just honestly got tired of kind of hearing it every week. So it wasn't necessarily me saying, all right, I'm ready to fight with you. It was just honestly, like I keep hearing the same thing over and over again. And you tell me you wanna change, but you're not really looking to change. You're not really looking to follow Jesus in, the, in this aspect of your life. And so we engaged it. I said, tell me what I need to do to fight with you in this. Do we need to figure out some way to disable the internet on your computer, on your phone? Do we need to figure out how to take away the internet, like take away literally the internet from your ability to access it? Whatever that is, that's a summing block for you. I'm gonna jump in it. I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna walk alongside you. I'm gonna hold you accountable. Fighting with and for someone in the midst of difficulty. I think there are four things that make up accountability if you just wanna jot these down real quick. Confession is one, but it is just a starting place. Talking about your shortcoming, talking about where there is difficulty, starting point number one. Number two is compassion. Now, compassion may seem uh, like an an interesting place to jump after confession, but honestly, it's exactly what we see Jesus do in the scriptures. Anytime someone confesses shortcoming, what Jesus does is he doesn't directly condemn them, he calls them out of it. I've listed numerous examples like this over the past several months where Jesus does this in the scriptures. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, two really big specific ones. So confession, compassion, and then correction. So calling them out of it, but then calling them to more. This is not what life is intended to be lived for. And then lastly, celebration, celebrating victory together, holding one another accountable to follow Jesus faithfully and to just rejoice in the goodness of his faithfulness to us together. The idea of iron sharpening iron is mutual, um, it's mutual usefulness. I think about my dad growing up, he used to sharpen knives um, outside in our garage. And I used to think it was kind of crazy because he's just like shoving against each other. And I was like, how does he even do that? And if I get close, is he gonna cut me? Is this gonna be really bad? I mean, it just looked kind of like a mess. But then at the end, we go from what was a butter knife to something that could be like a, a steak knife, right? This mutual accountability, this sharpening one another, this working for one another's good, ultimately one another's holiness. This is accountability, Look at Proverbs um, 27, uh, verses five and six, and then verse nine. So we wanna be intentional, we wanna be accountable. 27, verses five and six. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
Verse nine, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. We wanna be intentional. We wanna be accountable in our friendships and we want to be truthful. When I think about this, I was talking with some friends about this a couple weeks ago. Um, What kind of came to mind, the idea that came to mind was um, uh, the American Idol auditions. the lack of truthfulness that you see in American Idol auditions. So think about whenever people show up into those audition rooms and they get made fun of on national television because their friends have told them that they can sing and that they sound really good. And so they show up on stage and they're just like giving it. I mean, like they sounded as good as I did when we started this thing. They're just, they're just singing their heart out. Nobody was truthful with them. Nobody told them, hey, this ain't gonna work for you. It's not, it's not cutting it. You may wanna try sign language or something where you don't have to... <laughs> have to use your voice, right? Nobody's being a truthful friend to them. Instead, they're like giving them, in some ways, probably dishonesty. You should totally go for it. You're gonna win this thing. We need to be truthful in our friendships. There's significant interplay in the book of Proverbs between friendship um, and, and our words, how these two things kind of fit together. Look at back at verse five and six. It says, for open rebuke is better, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open correction than keeping your affection to yourself. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Perfuses are the kisses of an enemy. Verse nine again, oil and perfume make the heart glad, but the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Living life in such a way that we're able to tell each other the hard truth when the hard truth needs to be told. And sometimes, honestly, it hurts. That's what verse nine is telling us. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes the truth, it's just gonna hurt and it's not what you wanna hear. And the timing, it may not be the best, but the, the wounds of a friend, they're faithful when they're telling us the truth in the context of love and from the root of relationship, they're seeking our good. They're not acting out of pride. They're not acting out of selfishness. They're really seeking to push us toward Jesus as we follow him. And it takes truth in order for that to happen. Wise counsel, processing life with a friend that is not just gonna tell you how awesome you are and how everything you do is gonna be the best thing that has ever happened in creation. But wise counsel. I can think about a conversation that I had with a friend of mine um, here on campus, actually, a couple years ago. And um, we were standing down near the South Tower and I was just kind of like processing some questions I was having about myself and even some insecurities. And he came back and he spoke harsh truth to me. And he said, this is where you land every time. This is something that you repeatedly come back to. This is a lie and this is truth. So he told me hard words, but he gave me wise counsel in the midst of it. He was pursuing my good in the midst of friendship. So we wanna be intentional. We wanna be accountable. We wanna be truthful. And if we look at Proverbs back in chapter 17, flip over just again, Proverbs 17, verse nine. We also see that we want to be forgiving. We wanna be intentional. We wanna be accountable. We wanna be truthful. We wanna be forgiving. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. This is 17, nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. He who covers an offense seeks love but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So in the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of sharing life with people, hurt is gonna happen. Things are gonna happen where we hurt our friends and where our friends hurt us because friendship is, is not easy. It's not easy at times. 
There are times when it is great and you're sharing things and you're doing things together and you feel encouraged and you feel like people are being accountable with you and, and you feel like you're being challenged and all those sorts of things. But there are times where because we are fallen people, we hurt one another. We say things, we do things where there's a rift in our relationship. What the writer of Proverbs here is saying is that whoever covers an offense, whoever pursues forgiveness, offers forgiveness seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. He who chooses to not forgive or continually brings up the offense over and over again without forgiveness, that's not seeking love. That's not pursuing friendship. More than likely, it's pursuing vindication. When we look in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul talks about who we are as people that are following Jesus, he gives us this title. He says that we're, we're ambassadors, we're, we're ministers of reconciliation, people that are seeking to restore people to God. But as we are seeking to restore people to God, we must be restored to one another. So in the context of friendship, sometimes we need to extend, for, extend forgiveness in times where we really don't want to extend forgiveness, where forgiveness is hard and it's difficult. But I honestly believe that it is in the midst of difficulty extending, for, extending forgiveness, specifically extending forgiveness, is when we tangibly experience the forgiveness and the grace of God in our lives. Think about a time where you have just severely offended someone. And it may not have been intentional. You may not have been vindictive and just like trying to go for the jugular, but you did it and you hurt them and they let you know about it. They were upset, they were hurt. You go to them, you repent, you, you, you apologize. You, you tell them that you did it, but you wish you wouldn't have. If you had to do it over again, you wouldn't do it the same way. You love them, you value them, you wanna share life with them and they extend grace and they extend forgiveness to you, something you didn't deserve You deserve there to be animosity between the two of you. You deserve for there to be broken relationship and broken friendship. But when forgiveness is extended, it models the forgiveness that we receive through Jesus. Our relationship is broken with God. We have no reason to be restored to right relationship to him. But through Jesus, forgiveness is extended to us. Grace is given to us. Something that we didn't deserve, but he gives to us. Forgiveness and friendship is one of the most tangible ways that we experience the grace of God in our lives. So in friendship, we want to be intentional. We want to be accountable. We want to be intentional. We want to be accountable. We want to be truthful. And we want to be forgiving. When we think about these things, it sounds like too much, right? It's almost like this list of things that I can even kind of go through and check mark how I've not been a good friend. I can think of times where I've, I've not been intentional, where I've wanted friendship to be just about me. It's totally one-sided. I don't want to pursue anybody. I just want to be pursued. It's about me feeling good, not about me encouraging or challenging others. I can think about times where I've not offered accountability or pursued accountability. I can think about times that I've been dishonest and untruthful. I can think about times that I've been unforgiving. So we look at this list, we see wisdom and friendship, and it just, it feels like too much. It's too heavy. And friends, this morning, it is. This list could be a list of offenses towards us in our friendships. 
We could look at this list and see all of our failure and we could begin to condemn ourselves and saying how, man, I'm not a good friend. Or even worse, we turn it toward our friends and we start using it as a checklist against them. Look at how you're not a good friend. What this does, what this wisdom, this ideal for what friendship should look like that we see from wisdom from God in scripture, what this does is it draws us to our dependence on Jesus who is the perfect, flawless friend. How do we know how to be a friend to our neighbor? We follow Jesus. Friendship is part of discipleship. We see the way that Jesus ex- extends friendship to us. Let's look, look real quickly in uh, John chapter 15. We're gonna look at John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 12. Um, before the passage that we're going to read, Jesus, uh, it's the passage where Jesus talks about um, him being the vine and us being the branches that we must gain all of our life and our nutrients and our ability for life from him as people that are following him. And then in verse 12, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. Greater love has no man than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for you all have, for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that you should, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask of the father in my name will be given to you. These things I command you that you love one another. When we see Jesus saying, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, we see him extending friendship to us and that he laid down his life for us. Jesus was the perfect friend and he was the perfect friend in our place. So this morning, as we look at wisdom, we don't turn to it as law. These are not things that I need to do in friendship in order to um, be approved of by God. We are approved of by God because Jesus was the perfect friend in our place. And he laid down his life for us. Greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. As Jesus extends friendship to us, he shows us what friendship should look like. Proverbs chapter 18, I'm just gonna quote this for you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who will stick closer than a brother. And let me tell you this morning that that friend, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. As we listen to this wisdom and we look at this wisdom together this morning, We should not feel condemnation. We should not feel like we fall short. We should not feel the ability to condemn others and tell them how they have fallen short. But we should turn in dependence toward Jesus, the author of wisdom, who has lived in perfection in his friendships and follow him, follow Jesus in our friendships. Follow Jesus in our intentionality. Follow Jesus in our truthfulness. Follow Jesus in our accountability. Follow Jesus in our forgiveness. We're not modeling friendship to be a good friend. We're modeling friendship as we follow and model Jesus. Jesus leads us in friendship because Jesus is our friend. We know how to befriend befriend others because we know how Jesus has befriended us. He gives us acceptance. He gives us forgiveness. He knows who we are and he does not walk away.
I wanna take just a few minutes and kind of reflect on this idea of friendship personally. So if you just bow your heads for a minute, I just wanna walk us through a couple things. I want us to examine what friendship looks like in our lives. What does friendship look like? And to ask God to help us in our friendships. First, just think about, thank God for his goodness to us through friendship. The way that we have tangibly felt and experienced the grace of God in our lives because we have friends who are friends to us. We've experienced friendship because we've been able to extend the grace of God to others in the context of friendship. Thank God for that in your life, for his provision, for his goodness to us. Next, just ask God to help you to follow Jesus in your friendships. What are ways that you need to be intentional, accountable, truthful, forgiving in your friendships? Or maybe as we're talking about this this morning, there's even just a little bit of pain inside because you're saying, I don't, I don't even have any friends. I don't have anybody to be intentional or accountable or truthful or forgiving with. I'm lonely. Ask God for his provision as you follow Jesus. And lastly, thank God that Jesus is our perfect friend, that he gives us unconditional intentionality, accountability, truth, and ultimate forgiveness through Christ. Father, this morning, we thank you that you give us wisdom for living, that you teach us how to live in relationship with one another. And God, as we pursue friendship, as we live life, God, we pray that we would do it in a way that reflects our commitment to your son, Jesus Christ. Father, that we would know that we are not alone and we are not left alone to figure it out but that you are with us, that your spirit, that he is inside of us. God, help us to follow Jesus faithfully in the way that we relate to one another. Help us to experience and extend your grace to those that we share life with. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen.